Greetings and salutations. Welcome to episode 102. My name is Jason. If you're new here, uh, this is Ed. This is Nathan on my left. If you're listening, I'm pointing to my right and to my left. <laughs> I already screwed it up. We were we were instructed not to speak. No, no, time, no. So. No, but seriously, if you're new to our podcast, uh, the three of us, we're a part of the teaching team here at Community Christian Church. And if you're new, this is a podcast where we're just trying to have conversations that are designed to help you think about and respond to your world in a Jesus-centered way. And the reason we want to do that is because we believe Jesus is God, that he is the perfect representation of the nature of God. And so we've committed ourselves to thinking and responding and becoming like Jesus. And we just hope that this podcast will do the same thing for you. So we're going to have that conversation in just a few moments. But before we do, I have to acknowledge if my voice sounds a little croaky today, it is not because I'm sick. It's because I just got finished cheering the national champion, uh, Georgia Bulldogs, on to victory. They, they did win because I yelled for them so loudly. Well, that's, someone had to. And, uh, someone had to. I'm glad. You were probably I, the only person in the state. I'm sure no I was, one else. I was. No one so, else was excited. I'm not a Georgia fan. Do you bark like a dog? Not usually. There are there are many. But he who does the, get down on all fours and, <laughs> and crawl there, around, there are sniff pe- around. There are people that do all of that. I'm confident. Well, I, we are to the point as dog fans that if that would have helped us win last night, we'd done it. And, It'd be really uh, dangerous if they were the the University of Georgia truffle pigs. Well, <laughs> Sorry, I can't get through that where, truffle pig. Then you'd have to go around, snoop around in the dirt. Wherever that came from, <laughs> but. 40, about that. It was a 40, Go truffle pigs! <laughs> it was a 41-year drought, That boys. should be the na- new name of the Washington football team. <laughs> <laughs> Washington, Washington football team. Washington, truffle pigs. Truffle, truffle pigs. pigs. That's right. <laughs> I'd be all about that. Everyone has to just root around in the dirt. Hmm. Pretty good. I like it. Okay. So... There was a long time Jason told us not to talk, and then he opened the door there, and he's wishing he had not. I <laughs> had been waiting. I had been I waiting. I know. Truffle I pigs had to, on the brain. I had to get out our purpose. Well, you know, it was interesting. That's the first time I'd heard that read out loud. I had seen it, of course, because we had shared it and talked about it. But that was a good statement, Jason. Good well, job. And good. I was glad I was quiet. And we agree with it. Yes. So say we all. Well, I hope so. so You're here. Because if you don't, you need to get out. <laughs> okay. I'll also get out if I don't If I do agree, but just want to get out. So, speaking of having those conversations, we're going to help people think better. That is the goal. Whether, whether we do or not, that's a whole other problem. After they listen to this part of the podcast, I think exactly. they're going to help me think like Jesus. I didn't even notice until you mentioned it. You do sound sick. I, t- I told you last night after the game was over, I started talking to some and I realized my voice was not right. Did you have a you you were at like a get together or just your family? It was at a, I was at a friend's house okay. and uh, we were together and he and I watched uh, the Georgia games almost every Saturday together. Oh, okay. It's, oh, okay. it's it's something we do and um, he invited me back over to try and, you know, will them to victory and we did. I find I've had a couple times we're like, uh, I have a, a, a group that meets at our house from church on Friday nights. And so occasionally an NBA game will be on. Mm-hmm. Like the Hawks will play on a Friday night. I find that I'm so intense during the games. It's, it's, it's hard for me to enjoy the other people that are there. Because inevitably somebody, somebody oh. who, even people who know the game, they say something. And I'm like, this is not the time for you to talk. This oh, yeah. game, you yeah, know, yeah, this yeah. is so. I find myself, I have one friend that I, I really, me and him can watch. And it's because he doesn't talk a lot. Ah. Just as a person, he's not a very talkative person. So we can sit there and on commercials we can talk. Mm-hmm. But during the game. Well, this friend of mine, he and I, we, we grew up Georgia fans, okay. both of us. And so 
it's an unspoken understanding that we we do talk during the commercials and in between plays, but it's generally game related. Right. Complaining about what's yeah. going on or yeah, right. yeah. making our comment. And I, I will say we my prediction came true. I said last night, I said if if we get pressure on Bryce Young, we win the game. And that happened. I was mm-hmm. pretty I was pretty pleased with my prognostication. <laughs> I haven't used that word in a long time. So I'm happy. I'm a happy Bulldog fan, and for those of you who are also Bulldog fans, I also I can't watch I can't watch any game I care about with anyone mm. that probably isn't in my family. Got it? Yeah. No, they because you will irritate me by some comments you make or mm-hmm. that you make a comment at the. I'll right. say my I wife. Do, even, I can't go to Super Bowl parties anymore. Ah. Uh-huh. Particularly if I care if about care anything. About anything. Yeah, yeah. I can go if I literally don't care about the game. Yeah. But my wife's almost at the point that if the game's pretty close towards the end, she's like, I'm just gonna go up to the bedroom and let you finish watching the game because my wife does that too. Like she goes, she goes, she goes. I know there's nothing wrong with you being mad, mm-hmm. like at this game. She goes, but it just makes me uncomfortable <laughs> that you're that you're so frustrated at the TV. I, she goes, it just, she goes, because I don't know what to say. Yeah. I don't know what to say. And I said, I get it, I get it. It's probably not a good thing. I'm that upset hmm. about the end of the game, but. That's a that's a whole other issue that we probably. I am at a point where it no longer bothers me after the game. There were periods Mm -hmm. of time where I, you know, I'm a baseball fan. There were periods of time, and since it's a daily game, Mm. where my mood for the day would be based on how the Braves had. Yeah, I was was going to say that. I I I'm over I'm over that. I realized when I was still trying to parent at home, Mm. this is not a good experience for my family for my mood to be determined. The way it hit me was my wife also said to me a long time ago that very same thing. She said, I can always tell when the Braves have lost. And I'm like, what? She says, your mood's different when the Braves have lost. And I thought to myself, that's not a good thing. No. That is not good for me as as a follower of Jesus. i got to fix that. And I've been working on that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a level of when you're when you're doing it. I think that's a good way of even judging, helping people think like Jesus. There you go. I think that's even a good way, of the way you said it, of after the game. I think there's a level of intensity that that's mm. part of what's fun about it the is. game mm-hmm. is being intense in it, in it, and you might even be mad, you might be frustrated, but if that feeling lasts for about five minutes after the game is over, because right, that's right. that's my thing. Is I realize yeah. is if, if I'm having trouble going to sleep, that's right. Because mm-hmm. I because I this game. I mean, at least for I'm a basketball fan, so every game ends at like nine thirty at the earliest, and I'm ready to go to sleep. And if I'm still that frustrated, if by the time I've walked upstairs, I haven't cooled off, then I might have been a little too invested yeah. in what's going. <laughs> it might on. matter too much. Yep. Yeah. So okay. Anyway. All right, so yeah, I got in bed like one thirty last night. So wow. who, really, because I, I don't follow any. What time did the game start? Uh, the game started about eight fifteen. But 8, I'll 20. say this: wow. the national championship games or any of those kind of things, the commercial breaks. I mean, I word. I thought, They're wow. Awesome. I don't know how you stay in rhythm as a team. Yep. The, the commercial breaks are ridiculously long. It was. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, and, and I'll say that they were longer for me because I watched the broadcast on ESPN where they had piped in the uh, Bulldogs radio network. Ah. And so they weren't even showing commercials on the screen. They would just show us a static shot of the stadium during commercial breaks. We were listening to the uh, Georgia commercials, broadcast. Georgia broadcast, and it makes it even longer. It feels longer because there's nothing to watch. We were just you know listening to radio commercials and... Oh, and, and the funny part of that is they have the game in one, in one part of the screen, but in the top left-hand corner is Kirby Cam. They literally follow Kirby Smart <laughs> the entire game, and they you see him in his every reaction at every moment. 
Okay. It's quite entertaining. My funny, my favorite reaction of Kirby last night was the, the, in, the interception the at jump. the end when he, but not just the jump. He jumped and immediately saying to the guy, "Get down, get down, get down!" <laughs> get down and the guys were turning for a That's touchdown. Right. And about halfway through, he's like, "No, go, no, go. no!" <laughs> that like, was great. No, did you not want him to get down? You want him to go? Well, if, if you're gonna score, then just go <laughs> ahead. Just go ahead. Yeah, that was that was great. I could watch that a hundred times. Okay, so today, uh, in our attempts to help people think and respond to their world like Jesus, uh, we got some questions from some listeners, and we're gonna help them with their questions. Let's do it. So. Um, this one, normally our questions come in anonymously. This actually has a name attached to it. All so, right. Uh, our friend Rusty. Hello, Rusty. Yeah, he listens and watches the podcast. Um, he wants us to tackle a question. And he, he sent this to me around Christmas time, and I've just had to hold on to it until we recorded a new one. So this is a Christmas-related question. Um, but So we're going we're gonna to tackle it for him. He's got a couple of verses he wants us to read. Um, but the question off of these verses is basically this. Christmas trees. And, and by the way, he's got a he's got a Christmas tree emoji. You I see like that. And that and that. Creative? I support that. I like that. Christmas trees. More emojis in the questions. <laughs> yeah, we like just, that. No one else sees them, but they're a nice little treat for us. They're they're fun. They're a nice treat. I'm just wondering, is Christmas trees a complete question? No. Okay. I'm getting no. to the rest. <laughs> We're just working through it. I'm getting to the rest. Christmas trees. I'm sorry. Right. Do we normally just allow Jason to talk uninhibited on this Never. podcast? Never. I forgot what we were doing. I'm sorry. Are Christmas trees a pagan symbol or a symbol of Christianity and some celebratory symbol of Christ's birth? He wants to know which one is it. And he cites two verses from the Bible he wants us to read. So you got these verses for me? Well, you, I the only first, saw one of them. The first one is Jeremiah 10, 1 through 5. So read that for us. Uh, Jeremiah 10, starting verse 1. Hear the word that the Lord speaks to you, O house of Israel. Thus says the Lord. Learn not the way of the nations, nor be dismayed at the signs of the heavens, because the nations are dismayed at them. For the customs of the peoples are vanity. A tree from the forest is cut down and worked with an axe by the hands of a craftsman. They decorate it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so that it cannot move. Their idols are like scarecrows, and I like this, in a cucumber field. Oh, that's very specific. specific. Very I like specific. That. And they cannot speak. They have to be carried, for they cannot walk. Do not be afraid of them, for they cannot do evil. Neither is it in them to do good. So okay. That's so, so there is a symbol in there that sounds a little bit like a Christmas, Christmas tree. tree. All right. Leviticus 23.40. says... And you shall take on the first day the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and boughs of leafy trees, and willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Hmm. So about the Feast of Tabernacles. Yes. Is, that, is that the section that it's in? Okay. It's the, yes, yeah. Okay, okay. So I guess from these, from these two uh, verses, there it kind of sounds to me like you, at one point, the 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 verses are saying don't do this, and then the other ones are telling them to well, do something. Well, the, fir the first one is specific. I mean, they're very both very specific. They are. So let's I mean, talk it didn't about take that. long when you were reading to get to the point that they're fashioning and they're fashioning a god, yes, an idol out of a tree. And the prophet is it Jeremiah that they mm -hmm. read. Mm -hmm. So Jeremiah is basically saying your your gods are as dead as that piece of wood. Mm -hmm. you, I mean, there's another part. One of my favorite parts is uh, and I. Can't remember the prophet on this one either. Apologize uh, for my professors. Where they literally are talking about leaving, and the people are 
loading up their, uh, they, they leave furniture and everything else behind that they own, but they have to load their idols up on the back of oxen to carry them out of the city to save them. And the prophet's making fun of them and going, generally, God saved people. Hmm. But you have to save your God. Ah. <laughs> you know, <Clever. laughs> your God has to be loaded on the back because he can't save himself. Yes. Right. And uh, that's what, that, that first one's about an idol. So Christmas yes. tree is not somebody making an idol. I was going to say, the, the, the question, I guess, is, and this is a short answer, does that those verses have anything to do with Christmas trees? No. Obviously, since both of them are written long before Jesus was born, the answer is no. Okay. So do they, but do they, I think this is the question we ought to really get down to because I think the, again, I don't want to assume, but it sounds to me like the premise of his question is it, it kind of assumes that today we as Christians are responsible to follow the letter of the Old Testament law. Sure. So let's talk a little bit about what the relationship between a follower of Jesus and the Old Testament law is in light of uh, this question of, you know, if it says in the Old Testament law, don't cut down a tree and put stuff on it, does that mean we can't have a Christmas tree? The answer is no, it doesn't mean that. <laughs> it doesn't. And it really does go back to what we were talking about uh, in our discussion of the book, How Not to Read the Bible, mm. of don't ever read a verse. Mm -hmm. you got to read it in the context, and not just the context of the chapter. you got to read it in the context of the library of the 66 books. Is this prophecy? Is it law? Is it uh, poetry? What is the, what's the author's intent? What period of time was it in? What culture is it in? What's the historical context of it? Mm -hmm. So then when you take all of that and you go, you know what? We cut trees down and God said don't cut trees down. Well, but then there are other places where God says it cut trees do. down. So That's right. probably it isn't the tree in either verse. Yes. Right. So again, I get what winds up that with people. People wind up with these verses. They try to apply them to things like we were talking in that context. Mm -hmm. So I think the rest of his question is, is it a Christian symbol or is it a pagan symbol? And yeah. the answer is yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which, which, and this is true, a lot of the symbols or the, um, you know, the, the holidays that we um, commemorate are, many of them, uh, co-opted from mm -hmm. that pagan world. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should talk about, are there New Testament holidays commanded? No. No. Mm -mm. Are we commanded to celebrate Easter? No. No. Not no. Well, 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 traditionally, Christians celebrate the resurrection every first right. day. That's right. That's what I was going to say. Is I think I think, and I don't want to distract from the thing. So I was what the the point of what we're trying. Yeah, I'm sorry for getting to talk time. about, but I do think. I think it gets to a misunderstanding of of what Jesus came to do. So you talk that that I think is a. The, the big point is mm -hmm. our holiday is every Sunday or our holy day is every Sunday. Mm -hmm. Not meaning that you can only worship on Sunday or that you have to worship on Sunday. The idea was that Jesus came to establish a community and that the community would be formative. And we actually know that they were together more than on Sunday, mm -hmm. but that Sunday was the holy day that was set aside. Of, we're going to celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus as the first day of a new creation every week. Right. That Jesus is bringing about a new creation through his people. And so that ends up being the holy day. When you ask about in your question about the old, what's our relationship to the Old Testament law, I do think it goes to the thing we've said over and over again. This isn't original to us. As far as I know, it's original to the Bible project of 
All of Scripture is a unified story leading to Jesus. So when I look at the Old Testament, I still read the Old Testament. I read the Psalms. I just recently, uh, I've been reading a book by Diedrich Bonhoeffer about the Psalms. And he made this statement, which I just thought was very helpful to me, as he said, even the difficult Psalms um, that are things about, like, God smite my enemies and mm-hmm. kill and dash their head against rock. He said, every Psalm we know has been fulfilled in Jesus and he said, what that means, he goes, but it could be an unexpected way. He said, Jesus has dealt with your enemies, and Jesus has dealt with their sin, but it isn't the way, he goes, so you're allowed to pray those things mm-hmm. knowing that Jesus is going to fix it on his end. Mm-hmm. That Jesus on his end, that it's okay for me to go, this person has hurt me so bad, man, I wish they could have some vengeance coming their way. Man, I wish this thing, and that's in the Old Testament, and there's a part of you that goes, well, that doesn't sound like Jesus, I should ignore it. That's not the point. The point is that this is a story leading to Jesus, mm-hmm. and that I look at it and I say, Jesus on the cross took care of the, the, all of sin, whether it's the punishment of sin, but also the sin of other people that's done to me, that all wrong things have been solved in Jesus. And so there's a way in which, as I pray, God's going to change my heart. And so when I look at these Old Testament laws, I can look at them and not say, I necessarily have to obey this by the letter, but it is trying to give me a picture of what life with God is like. That if I understood the reason behind certain of these laws, I might be able to understand what God's trying to paint for me about the kind of people I become. And we've been talking about this in discipleship. The Bible isn't giving me a roadmap for every problem I may ever face. The Bible is giving me the path to connect with God so that God can shape me into the kind of person who would react like Jesus in my circumstance. And so these stories that exist in there, I just, today in one of my readings, is the story out of the Old Testament of Hannah, uh, who she, she, and this is already complicated enough, She's married to a man, but he's a polygamist. He has another He has another spouse, and she's fruitful and has lots of children, and Hannah has no children, and she's crying out. Every year they go to make sacrifices at the temple uh, so that God will give them a baby, and he has it year after year after year. And there's a way of reading that, which is, that means I need to, if I'm fruitless, mm-hmm. i got to go every year. That's not the point of the story. The point is that God cares about this woman, that, he, that one, suffering is normal, it's it always been normal, and that God cares about it, and that God often acts in our favor and does things. And I think all of that, so when you talk about the Old Testament law, does it mean that I have to obey it? No, Jesus makes clear all of the law has been fulfilled yes. in me, mm-hmm. but that's done in Jesus, that Jesus is the one. And, he's, and there are certain things we understand about what Jesus is doing in the world by understanding what came before him. And let's be clear, you know, when Jesus left his final uh, instructions, on what to do to his followers, he didn't say, uh, "Teach, go and make disciples and teach them to obey the law." Right. No. He said, "Teach them to do whatever I commanded you to do." Yes, that's right. You, the things that we just got done doing in our time together, you just go and teach people to right. do that. That's all you and he boiled it down to loving God and people. Yep. And so, um, when it comes to that whole thing, and, and I thought this would be an interesting discussion to have too. Um, Let's just play devil's advocate for a second mm-hmm. and say, okay, let's say back to the original question. Let's say the Christmas tree is a pagan symbol, which we've established, okay. In, originally it was. Originally it was. Mm-hmm. Let's say it just flat out is. 
does what we know about the nature of God revealed in Jesus, what does that tell us about how God would feel about having one? I don't, I don't think, I mean, I, not a, I don't think. I, I really, I can't imagine mm-hmm. the God revealed in Jesus mm-hmm. is going to take a person whose heart was using this. They didn't know. That's right. I didn't bring it in thinking, you know what? God will accept whatever I do, mm-hmm. and he'll just accept whatever I do. And I know this is something he wouldn't like, and so I'm going to do it, but I'm going to use it to worship him. I don't think that's But if I if I don't know, and yeah. I'm worshiping, I'm coming, and I take my uh, time at Christmas, and I worship Jesus with the, with the ornaments I put on it, mm-hmm. and I tell my kids about it, and it becomes this thing where I highlight what's going on mm-hmm. uh, through that. I think God's honored by that. I don't think that's a problem at all. That's, I agree. Yeah. That was my thought. Well, and Paul almost explicitly talks about this when he talks about meat sacrificed to idols right. on certain holy days. He says, mm-hmm. for some people, it would be wrong. If if I grew up and, and the Christmas tree was only a pagan a symbol, there may be difficulty in me being able to do that. I don't think anyone in our current context has ever grown up with the Christmas tree being a pagan symbol, mm-hmm. so I don't think that's the issue. But I will say there there are certain things that I could see as a Christian uh, in America, growing up, and there are things around you that are that you may choose to say, "I'm trying to play, to do everything for Jesus," and this is this is something that when I when I'm doing this particular thing, it keeps me from honoring Jesus above everything else. So even though it's not a pagan symbol, I'm going to choose not to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, for me and for years, I'm sure Jason probably remembers this for years with Christmas Christmas was a struggle for me for years and years and years after becoming a Christian just because I didn't know it was a pagan thing and it always felt weird to me the way we did it and the way the church did it and um, I was grumpy man I just I was grumpy. even a senior pastor man I do Christmas I'm just grumpy 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 mainly because of the commercialization of it I couldn't see much yeah. I couldn't see much, even with way Christians, the way we have taken this, it's supposed to be about Jesus. But if we're honest, even our Christmas Eve services often wind up being about what makes us feel good, mm-hmm. what what makes me happy, what gives me this sense of nostalgia and warmth. There's very little about worship. It's about me. It's mm-hmm. about, and I struggled with it until somebody challenged me and I began to use it as a time to give. And it's one of my favorite times because for me now in the season of it, I have some rituals that I have put around it where it, it, every every day during December I have a ritual around how I can give, I can be prepared to give, to turn generosity because it reminds me that God so loved that he gave. Mm. And I try to I try to make it that way. So Christmas itself, whether it's a tree or not a tree, Christmas can be a problem in the way that we do it in the Western oh, world. Yeah, I totally, Absolutely. It I can, totally agree. It can definitely be the way we do it. The tree, the what the tree isn't big a deal as, as our commercialization of well, it. Well, and I think opinion. I think when you get to that point, I think that's huge. Of I don't. I think when you get down to well, if the root of this comes from something else, that's the problem. I think that's. I think. If you logically take that far enough, it's not good because the root of where a cr- cross and a crucifixion That's came right. from was a torture device by a, 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 a national state to, to in terrorize its people. Well, that certainly is not That's a right. Christian ideal, but Jesus redeems that by saying, and not even redeeming crucifixion. He, 
he gives us a new meaning for it when we look at it. And ultimately, as Christians, that's, that's what we're trying to, to get to, is that I want to honor Jesus no matter what circumstance I'm in. But I agree with you. I think there are even ways that we can uh, uh, baptize certain things with a Christian name but never really submit it as a, a thing to honor Jesus. No. We just give the name of Jesus to it, and we say, well, this honors Jesus because the name of Jesus is on it, and that, but it doesn't, and it actually detracts de de or distracts. Mm -hmm. It certainly takes away from one of the core principles. It, when it becomes about me and my family mm -hmm. and me and what I get or me what I, even what I do for my family, mm -hmm. That's not the heart of Christianity. It's yeah. just not the heart of it. Yeah. So, okay. Well, uh, I was going to say as we wrap up the, uh, that question, um, I, I, it reminded me of a podcast that I just listened to over the holidays. That um, if you're interested in that whole, uh, where did all of these traditions come from? Uh, there's a guy. His name is Bill Federer, and he was a guest on a podcast I listened to by a really smart uh, guy named Dr. Frank Turek. Uh, I, I know you referenced him a couple of times, Ed. And um, and back on December 23rd, they did an episode where he just interviewed this guy, and he's done all this research on where all the traditions of Santa Claus and Saint Nicholas, mm -hmm. and you know the, the the reason we give gifts, and all of the types of the traditions that are, are wrapped around Christmas, and how many of them, the most of them that he talks about, have it, their origin in. Uh, Christian tradition and mm -hmm. so it was a really really good so I learned a lot of stuff that I didn't know before like how did we get the whole uh, a guy comes down your chimney and puts uh, mm -hmm. stuff in a stocking there's a very specific historical event that mm -hmm. happened uh, that wraps around I won't tell you because I'm, I'm gonna leave the link in the description if you're interested in that you can go listen to it and I think there's a book that he just wrote about it so um, I'll, I'll remember to put that link into the uh, into the description so um, is that all we got to say about that? I think so. Y'all got anything else? Okay. We're going to move on. We got another question. Oh. And it's real quick. It should be real quick. Um, here, this came again, I believe, around Christmas time. And uh, it was from someone, I think, because of they were hearing us teach on uh, the name that uh, the Bible gives to Jesus of Emmanuel. We talked about what that means. You know, it literally means God with us. Mm -hmm. um, but their question was, how were Jesus, that name, and Emmanuel used by the people who knew Jesus personally? And they say, it seems like the New Testament writers are the only ones that use that name, Emmanuel. And they want to know how that name gets, how was that whole thing used? I don't know that anyone ever calls Jesus Emmanuel Like to in referencing him. to him, yes. Yeah. yeah. The only time I know of it is, I think it's specifically in Matthew's gospel, mm -hmm. that the angel tells Joseph yes. that the, bo the boy's name will be Emmanuel, which means, but that's a reference to a prophecy. It's not what, yeah. you know. Joseph as a Jewish man would quickly hear him say that. And click back to the prophecy. The prophecy. Yeah. He, it right. was a hyperlink yeah. for yes. Joseph. It came from that Old Testament mm. prophecy of this was, and it really, and I and I want to straighten some things out. When you say it was his name, it it more it's, like it's more a like title. a title. It's That's a title. right, not name. So, uh, which to me, same thing with Messiah. Messiah is exactly. a title. Christ is a Christ title. Christ is a title. It's not his name. Jesus, his name was Jesus. Yes. I mean, he was, right. and I think this speaks to the humanity. Of, mm -hmm. of Jesus. I mean, he, 
He, in fact, if, I don't know if our listeners know this, Jesus is probably one of the most common names in that day and age of the That's Jewish. Right. I mean, it was actually named Joshua. That's right. Yet, yeah. Yeah. Literally yeah. Yeshua. Yeshua. And um, it was the you know, translation of the name Joshua. So Jesus was a pretty common name. In fact, uh, I know a lot of scholars believe that Barabbas' first name is Jesus. Yes. And that he, I, in one of the, doesn't one of the Gospels use it? I think, Jesus Barabbas? Yeah, Jesus uh -huh. Barabbas, because Bar is son, and mm -hmm. it's the idea, Jesus would have been Jesus Bar Joseph. Right. Yes. And he's Jesus Bar Abbas, which mm -hmm. means right. son, son of, of the Father, which shows that he probably most likely was some kind of false messianic. That's right. He was leading some kind of revolution, and that mm -hmm. it really is the people choosing between the true Messiah, Jesus bar Joseph, mm. and this false Messiah that's who's right. going to kill Romans because that's why he's in prison and the whole thing behind that. And so to your point, I was just making mm -hmm. Yeshua, Jesus would have been a very common name. So yeah. i confident. Well, we know for sure most of the, most of his followers are dressed him as rabbi. Yeah, sure. to, I mean, to be clear when they say, what did, we don't know what they yeah. called him. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think if I can think of a place where anyone says, calls him Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bartimaeus, Jesus, yes. Yes. Bartimaeus calls out his name. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think of any other place where a person calls out his name. Sure, I'm sure there are But you're right, times. the followers yeah. call him rabbi, teacher. Rabbi, yeah. Well, in that culture, that was the, the proper way to yeah. re yeah, refer to someone that yeah. you were following as rabbi. That's right. So I'm probably overlooking some, but I, could, I was trying mm -hmm. to think, is there any place, I know the Jewish people cast off of him and go, isn't this... Mm -hmm. Joseph, you know, he doesn't his brothers and them, they live with us yeah. and they name the brothers, but mm -hmm. I don't think even there they say his name. I don't think so. But maybe but, they do. Yeah, I have to go back and look at that. But yeah, so to answer your question, um, you know, what you, were, what you were sort of distinguishing between is Jesus' given name that he would have used just like all of us use our first names, and you probably do as well, and then a title that was bestowed upon him to link him back to the Old Testament prophecy well, and, of God coming to dwell among us. And to try and explain what he's doing, all the titles you see mm -hmm. that Jesus uses, whether it's Son of Man, Son of David, Son of, Son of God, mm -hmm. any of these kind of things he's using, he is using, as we were talking even in our Old Testament law, because it's a unified story, he is using those titles to link them back That's to right. it, saying all these things that have been promised. Sometimes he refers to himself as... Uh, he doesn't, he doesn't call himself, but he is linking himself to Moses mm -hmm. and Abraham and David. And he's trying to get you to bring these Old Testament stories up. And what he's really trying to say is the thing they were trying to do that they often failed at doing, I'm doing the right way. Yes. That's right. And I'm so that's a way for us to use the Old Testament in the life of Jesus to say, I can understand what the original audience would have heard. When they heard about David, they would have known something about him and his character. And Jesus is going, mm -hmm. I'm better than David. I'm the, as Hebrews eventually puts it, the new and better Adam, the new and better mm -hmm. Moses, the mm -hmm. new and better David that Jesus is linking. And sometimes he's even linking to people at the time. He's comparing himself to Caesar. Mm -hmm. And he's comparing that things that would have been, they would have known about emperors and kings at that time. And he's trying to say, this is me. Mm -hmm. It's not just, who I am for you as a personal savior, it's who I am for the world. Yes. And what activity I'm doing. And so the names and the titles, they're they're ways of linking him to his purpose and his role in the world. And I do think that's helpful to know. Is it necessary to know? No, I don't know it's necessary to know. But it does help, as we've been doing in this series about Jesus, 
it does help me to get a better and more beautiful picture of who he is uh -huh. and to get this full encompassing. It's more than, Jesus did not just come for me. Mm. That yes. Jesus did come for the world and, and for the universe. He came to, to restore what had been broken. And I think that's a beautiful picture when we understand it. So I think it's a good question. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, that's it for this week. Uh, next week we got two more questions. Good. Yeah. Good ones, too. I'm, I'm excited about getting into these conversations. I'll be the judge of that. Uh, no, you won't. I will. So, anyway. Well, you already have spoken. I did. <laughs> I don't know why I'm here next And week. I'm in charge. All right. Somewhat. Until y'all start talking taking it off the rails. That's right. That's so, all right. So, uh, we will see you back here next week. Two, uh, two more questions, and we'll have conversations around those. So, you guys have a great week. See ya. Bye.